World Cup. That's right, listeners. We're coming to you two days? No, one day. One day after the USA women's team was crowned champions of the World Cup. Uh, that's right, USA rules the world again. Even if it's just in soccer, I think we'll take it. Um, a pretty dominant run that we will get into. We might have another John and Xavier battle again. I hope we do, but who knows. Uh, before we get to that, because that's kind of the center of our discussion, we're going to talk about uh, latest NBA news. Uh, most notably, Kawhi Leonard chose to sign with the Los Angeles Clippers. And to go along with Kawhi, the Clippers also traded for Paul George. So the Clippers now have Paul George and Kawhi. And I think a lot of people will tell you there's a lot of... It's a lot more level playing field for the NBA now. You got the Lakers with LeBron and AD. You got Kawhi and Paul George. You got the Rockets are there. The Bucks are still there. You got Golden State still there. The Jazz might be sneaky good. There's a there's no really any big threes anymore. It's a lot of duos. No real dominant big three. Um, so I think the NBA will be a lot of fun to watch once it starts. Um, starting with Kawhi, and then I have two other topics. It's minor topics for soccer. Were you guys surprised by the choice that Kawhi made? Oh, that that's very fair, uh, especially considering a lot of people in L.A. especially consider the Clippers to be like the little brother of the Lakers. Um, the, La- the Clippers are historically known for, you know, not making the playoffs or blowing a big lead or blowing an opportunity um, to get, you know, the win, a championship, and apparently the player. But now the Clippers are kind of relevant in L.A. They're making some noise um, with Kawhi. Uh, Roland and Xavier, what do you what do you guys think? Uh, yeah, it's also... Can you guys hear me? Yep. Okay, just making sure. Um, I was also kind of surprised. Just that it was the Clippers that he went to, but, you know, seeing that they also have Paul George, I guess it, it makes sense. Um, I thought it would have probably been nice if he stuck with an East team. Just since the West is so heavy, I mean, we talked. We've been talking about this. Everybody's talking about how tough the West is. Um, but also, uh, I don't know. Like, I I don't see why it doesn't make sense to stay with the Raptors. Um, they kept, as far as I know, they kept most of their team from this past season. So uh, I don't really, I don't really get that. Um, What about you, Zay? Before I respond to the the staying in Canada thing for Roland, what do you think? Um, yeah, I was surprised. I mean, I think it was pretty obvious that he he wanted to team up with someone because I, I think there were reports that he wanted to get get with KD and that didn't happen. So um, I don't think he would have gone with the Clippers unless he he knew Paul George was going there. Um, so yeah, I'm surprised. It's the Clippers they decide to team up with. I was hoping or thinking maybe that Paul George would just go to Toronto. Um, 
but that didn't happen. So yes, definitely a surprise. It's the Clippers they chose. Um, but I mean, I think it could be. I think it's a good move. So yeah, we'll see what happens. The West is stacked now with the Houston, LA, uh, the Lakers, Clippers, the Rockets, the Golden State Warriors. So that's going to be a an interesting conference. Yeah, it's funny you mention um, Paul George going to the the Raptors instead of the Clippers, but apparently there was a trade rumor or a trade proposition where like Russell Westbrook and Paul George would go to Toronto in return for Pascal Siakam being the centerpiece for the Thunder. That obviously didn't um, go through, but I was kind of... Uh, perplexed by that because I don't think Siakam's that good. Yeah, he he's a he's a big. He can shoot threes. He's obviously very long and athletic. But like, I I just don't think he's worth Paul George alone. Let alone Paul George and Russell Westbrook. And as for staying in Toronto, I think Kawhi's the type of guy that he wanted to go to L.A. last year, and he really wants to be in L.A. where he's from. He just reminds me of that type of guy. So I think the whole time he really wanted to go to L.A., he just wanted another star, especially on the Clippers. And um, so Jerry West was able to trade for Paul George. They gave up a ton of draft picks in the future to get him. Um, but Jerry West was able to get it done. So just some of the moves that Jerry West has been able to do is like trade for Kobe, get... Um, Shaq to sign with the Lakers, get Kevin Durant to sign with the Warriors, and now he's gotten Kawhi and Paul George on the Clippers. So Jerry West is a legendary, he's obviously the logo, and obviously a legendary recruiter, GM, team builder, one of the best there. So I'm really excited for this season. The Battle of LA I think is going to be awesome. And I think the biggest thing to look out for in this LA rivalry is the health of LeBron and AD versus, you know, the health of Paul George and Kawhi. Because that, that can be a big difference. The Lakers have been signing a ton of good players. But who knows if the guys they need to be healthy will stay healthy. Speaking of staying healthy, this is a good segue to Zion Williamson out for the rest of NBA Perfect. Summer League. Yep. Because he took a knock, you know, knee-to-knee knock contact whatever and the pelicans ruled him out for the rest of the summer of summer season summer league yep yeah that's wow john i didn't even tell you about that and that was like one of the next basketball segments but yeah you're right the against the knicks it was rj barrett barrett versus zion williamson playing in their first summer league game and i i don't know if you guys watched any of it or any of the highlights but I was confused why... Yeah, I don't blame you, Roland. Summer League's kind of some garbage. But Carson Edwards went off again. If anyone saw, he made five threes and had 20 points. Um, we'll, we'll get to that later. But he, like, knocked knees with someone. He had eight points at the time. And they're just holding him out as a precaution. I don't know why they played him in the first place. It's not like he's going to gain some extremely vital experience in the Summer League... It's just a little show for the fans. He's obviously going to make the team. Just sit him out. Don't let him get hurt. That That's the biggest takeaway I have. 
So I'm glad they're sitting him for the rest of the season, but I don't think he should have ever been playing. Yeah, I get that, but I mean, if he, let's just say he tours ACL, he, right. then he's out for the year, and, and was it really worth it, like, for the fans? Like, I know what you mean, I, I wouldn't have done it. It's basically, it's basically just like college basketball, just that it's NBA, in my opinion. I don't I, yeah, I think it was unnecessary to play him. You knew he was going to play on, make the team, let alone he's going to start, so I just... Uh, I think it's ridiculous. And it's not even like he's playing with most of the players that he's going to be playing with. Like, these are young kids he's playing with. It's not even starters that he's going to be with. So, right. Right. I wouldn't, that was, I wouldn't have played him. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like, it, you know, we. I think last year I paid some attention to the Summer League just because uh, Junior Robinson was trying out with Atlanta. Yep. Um,. So, like, the Summer League isn't, it's not like NFL preseason. Um, I mean, it sort of is, but it isn't. Um, it's like, you know, for, it, it, it's not really for the players like Zion. The, play, the you know, the number one draft picks and stuff that you know are going to be on the team. You're not, they don't need to test them. It's it's for the, the lower down draft picks and and the kids that you're not really sure about to kind of get that going. So that's, I, I didn't, well, one, I didn't even know that Summer League was going on, but two, I'm surprised that they played him. It, yeah, it seems it's, risky. I, I don't get what the Summer League is for, especially considering it's not the preseason of the NBA. Like, the preseason's right. later, you play this, you play in maybe two leagues, and then you have, you know, time off. I just don't get, I don't get playing them. I don't understand. If it's for, the only thing I can think of was, for the show, maybe for the fans, but he's the face of your franchise now. Why risk it? And even so, he had like a, a couple dunks, but I mean, he, he, there are some NBA players that play in the summer league, and he was not as dominant as he was in college. So I think it's it was good for him to get some exposure, but I would have waited till preseason. Um, just not even risk it. I don't, I don't get it. Not my problem. All right. Um, fun. The, so the Celtics actually have Carson Edwards, my favorite player from the tournament, and they have Taco Fall. Um, His name is Taco. Uh, yeah, I think so. Taco, Taco. Yeah, he was the, the UCF player that like, yeah. was crushing Zion. Yeah, the 7-7 seven, seven guy. Whoa. Yeah. Zion couldn't stop him. Right. He he shoots. Right? Yeah, he shoots thirty percent from the free throw line, but he is big. He's big. So, yeah. if if you're gonna watch any summer league, watch the Celtics because you got Firecracker Carson Edwards and you got Big Man Taco Fall. Definitely an interesting team to watch in the summer league. If you look, if there's nothing else to watch, like I went on a Bleacher Report app today, and for my top games, there were no events on that page. So that's when you know we're in the quiet off season. 
There's the home run derby tonight. My roommates are watching that right now, but not much is going on. He just hit 29 or 27 home runs. Who? Vlad Jr. Well, oh, okay. I know who you're talking about. He's on the Blue Jays. home runs. Yeah, okay. Dang. Well, all right. That's that's what I might watch tonight. Uh, last thing of basketball is that the Oklahoma City Thunder are kind of working towards a rebuild. They traded away Paul George, which we mentioned. They traded Jeremy Grant away to the Nuggets. And now there are reports that Russell Westbrook is open to a trade and the Thunder is trying to trade him, maybe to the Heat, but the Thunder might be starting over. I don't know who they're going to play next year. Without Russell Westbrook, without Paul George, I mean, they got Steven Adams. I don't know who else they're going to play, but... They're just accumulating picks. They're starting over. Um, and I really thought Russell Westbrook was going to stay with the Thunder forever, but I guess not. Um, the Thunder have been in the playoffs for the past few years consistently. Never got far, but they they were doing okay. And now it looks like they're just blowing it up and starting over. So, do you guys have any comments on that? Do you care? Obviously, not everyone can make the playoffs, but, you know, it's going to be weird seeing Russell Westbrook on another team, in another jersey. I don't know where he might go. I read maybe the Pistons would be a good fit, but I would think when, it should be in when, the East somewhere. When do, when, when do basketball players start to become old? Um... Probably like 33, post-33 is like the end of their peak, and then they start getting old. But depending on the player, you can play for a while. Like if you're a shooter, you can play to like high 30s just because you just stand there and shoot threes. But I mean like big man can't do that. Once your defense, like once you get old and you know you can't play defense as well, that's when you're kind of hitting the wall. Okay, because yeah. Russell Westbrook is 30, and you could see him, you know, really try to go out to win something in his last few years of playing. Yeah. And he hasn't been shooting well, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see where he shows up. Definitely a good player, fan favorite. We'll see what happens. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It's clear that it's not working for Houston. You know, they have... They have been in the playoffs consistently, um, but once once Kevin Durant left uh, and went to the Warriors, uh, you know that first season, Russell Westbrook kind of had like a a fire lit, and you know he was like real determined to go out and like prove Durant wrong and, and all this stuff. He had like a chip on his shoulder, um, and but like it seems like like it's just all been about him. You know, it's it's all about getting his triple doubles and and whatever. Um, so like I and like that's great during the regular season, but if you can't do anything in the postseason, then you know what does it matter anyway? Sort of. Uh, so um, I think it makes sense. It, they've been trying it for a couple of years. It's clearly not working. That's why we were also surprised when Houston didn't do anything over the off season. You know, in the, the first couple days of of the um, of free agency, because you know they're a good team, they've been in the playoffs consistently, but 
they can't beat the Warriors. Uh, and even if they aren't going up against the Warriors, they can't make it to the finals anyway. So, um, you know, they needed to do something. Uh, they might have done something by now. but um, And so I, I think that that's good. Uh, the, Oklahoma's kind of moving on from this. Um, Russell Westbrook's obviously a great player. Um, and they, they have a lot of good future prospect from the Clippers, five draft picks, five first round draft picks, which is absurd in my opinion. <laughs> uh, but uh, RIP to Steven Adams. <laughs> uh, that sucks that he's just kind of, you know. Yeah, he, uh, it's out of his hands. So it, like, like I said, I don't know who they're going to play. I really have no idea who they would play with. Stephen Adams and Nerlens Noel. I don't even know who else they have with them on the, on their team. So <sighs> we'll see. Hopefully they get the lottery or something. Yeah, I was just gonna. I mean, everything I thought has been said. I I I always I never thought. You know, I always thought uh, Westbrook would try and stay, but I think he's seeing that he can't win by by himself, so he's kind of open to moving to different opportunities. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm interested to see where he ends up, though. So, I hope it's the East, because if he stays in the yeah. West, there besides, like, Giannis and Embiid and Simmons, I guess Jimmy Butler, but that's about it for the East. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Russell Westbrook going, like I said, two at Pistons. Like Detroit, that'd be. I think that'd be a good fit. Him and Blake Griffin, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, KD we'll and, uh, and Kyrie. Well, I mean, KD's yeah. not playing this year, so. Well, yeah. Okay. R.I.P. His knee. R.I.P. No, it's his Achilles, John. Yeah. Achilles, yeah. Didn't you see the slow-mo? No, I refuse to watch those things. I freaked out. You guys squeamish. It's terrible. Yeah. It it's pretty bad. <laughs> But all right. Oh, I actually, I did see that one. Oh, nope, I blocked it out. Yeah, it's pretty crazy what happened to him. But hopefully, he gets better. I don't think there are any expectations until next year, so he can just like focus on getting healthy and taking care of himself, and you know, building team chemistry with Kyrie and whoever. So next next year will be interesting. The year after should be even better. So. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. All right, let's um, let's move to soccer. I'm gonna let like you guys take care of this because I watched neither the Gold Cup nor the second half of the World Cup finals for the women's because I was at Mass. Um, okay. So you guys take it away. Start with women. Start with men's. I don't care. I'll butt in when I have questions. But you guys take it away. Xavier, you have notes on the Women's World Cup. I have notes on the Gold Cup. Do you want to lead us in the World Cup discussion? Yeah, let's um, let's do ladies I, first. Uh, okay. I don't really have my notes anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... Well, I mean, what do you want me to start with? What, whatever so you want. I, How I, you thought U.S. played... If you, 
I mean, obviously they won the whole thing, so it's hard to criticize, you know, like, lineups and all that stuff. But you could if you wanted to. Oh, oh, I could, and I, I think I will. All right, um, let's go for it. So, okay, I'll go with this first. I have a few issues with, um, well, I have many issues, but let me just start out with these. Yeah, let's um, uh, keep it to the soccer teams, okay? Yes, yeah, um, wow. Um, first is, I, I hate how, now, I was, my younger brother completely disagrees, but I hate how Rapino had, she won the golden boot, which is fine, but I hate that PKs count. Hated so much. Um, she had three of them, so, um, and I think the total was six, and I was thinking was tied, so I just, I hate the fact that, um, they count. I understand why they do, but I just, I would like to see um, them give the golden boot to the person that has the most goals without PKs. Um, That's just me personally. Um, Then, team-wise, I thought, I didn't like the, the starting lineup in any of the games. I thought... I, it frustrates me when people say Jill Ellis is the best manager in women's soccer. Um, I don't think that's accurate. I, um, jeez, oh I could go, I don't know, I could go all sorts of different places, but I just, it bothers me that uh, Lloyd didn't get in until the very end. Um, I thought that was kind of ridiculous. Um, I think Ellis holds on to the players too long. Uh, like Lavelle, I thought should not have been in that long. She gets tired super fast. Um, yeah, I just I think from a tournament standpoint as well, I thought the refs were not good. I thought they gave. I hate the replay system. Um, yeah, I just we could go in any direction to be honest. But I just I'll let you guys bring up your comments and I'll. I guess I'll go off of those because I have many thoughts on many different things. Okay. I understand some of your criticisms with Jill Ellis. I do. I see them as valid, her, the lack of substitutions and those things. I can agree that I don't think Megan Rapino, you know, she got the golden boot. That's a pure numbers game. Six goals, three assists, same as Alex Morgan, played like an hour less. What I don't agree with with is that she got the golden ball, which means she's the best player of the tournament. I think that should have gone to Rose Lavelle. Okay. <laughs> That's ridiculous. What who who gets the golden ball? Who you you're FIFA, you watched every game, every minute of the women's team of the U.S. Women's National Team, who gets... Uh, easily, Julie Ertz. Okay. Easily, 100%. Not a question in my mind. Julie Ertz saved us so many times. If Julie Ertz didn't go back on defense when we were winning a game towards the end of the end of games, we would have lost. That's Especially a- against France. Yeah. 
this is I'm challenging your Jalelis thing because that was due to them transitioning to a five four one formation or and going defensive early where she dropped back. Yeah, I agree. I just one I thought her defense was not good. I can't believe more te- teams didn't score more goals on us. Um, I thought her defense was very weak. Um, I think honestly, Julie Ertz was the main reason teams didn't score more goals. Um, even though she was a defensive center mid, not even a defender. Um, so I think easily she should have been the MVP of the tournament. People don't appreciate um, the little things. She does all the dirty work on the team. And obviously, because Megan Rapino scored that many goals, you're going to give it to her. So, um, that I yeah hated that. I don't know why you said Rose Lavelle. Okay, let me explain. Wait, before you explain, I I just want to jump in. Uh, Do you guys think that... Because I I agree with both you in some aspects. I do agree that Julie Ertz was, like, incredible on defense. My my first point, do you think being defensive and a really good defender is downplayed when considering the Golden Ball Award? Because everyone wants to like be like, oh, best score, set up team, flashy moves. But if you're like, like you're saying, Julie Ertz was the best defender, and like the reason we weren't scored on and all that stuff. Do you think that was just downplayed by the decision makers to hand out that award? Well, so okay, not only to, so to me, not only was she the best defender, but I think she was the most important player on the field for the U.S. And the Golden Ball is what? MVP? It's defined as MVP. So I think because Julie Ertz was the most important player on the U.S. women's national team, like on the field, I would have easily given it to her. Just not because she was a good defender, gotcha. but because of everything else she did. Okay. She controlled the, the, the pace of the game a lot of times. Um, but she also supported the forwards when needed to, distributing the ball. I just think Overall, she was the most important player this tournament for the U.S. team. Okay, and then before you go, John, I will say, from my perspective, whenever Lavelle had the ball, I felt like there she was making real opportun- real scoring opportunities for the U.S. So that's why I agree with John. Um, and then Roland, you if you want anything to add to that, do that, and then John, let loose, all right? Yeah, you can, you can go. I'll add in something else later. Okay. Yeah, I think this is great. I think just Xavier and I differ where you say most valuable player equates to the most important player. I do think that a center defensive midfielder is the most important player on a soccer team because they control the pace and transition and, you know, relieve pressure and find outlets. The most valuable player, the most valuable thing all of soccer are the goals and those goals created and scored and Rose Lavelle did that on a consistent basis she found Tobin Heath she assisted, she scored in the World Cup final and she is the future of this women's national team um, I mean she got, she got the bronze ball so like Right? Do they call it the bronze yeah. ball? Yeah. Because bronze got, got the got the silver ball. <laughs> so 
I, I, I can see both of your arguments. Um, I wasn't paying a whole lot of attention to defense. Um, I think Be- Becky Sauerbrunn and Abby Dahlkemper had a gr- they were a great they were a good pairing. And I will allow criticism on Crystal Dunn because she got dragged out of position too many times, was too narrow, and had to recover too often. Xavier, I don't know what games you were watching because that are those are some straight facts. John, I honestly I don't know what we agree on. Um, everything you have said in the last five minutes I disagree with um okay Lavelle the only thing I will give Lavelle credit for is she she sometimes has a good shot occasionally I'll give you that um but other than that I thought she was useless on the field um she like, she was a midfielder, correct? Yeah. But she basically played a third forward, or fourth forward, if you want to look at their formation. Yeah. Uh, I thought she was out of position a lot of games. Um, and maybe maybe that's um, Jill Ellis's tactic, but I th- if that was, that was very stupid because you just made Julie Ertz and Mewis do extra work. Um, I I thought Lavelle lost the ball in bad areas of the field. Um, I thought sometimes she just made lazy passes, and I just I don't think she's not the kind of person. She's not creative enough for me, to be honest. I don't think. Yeah, oh, I creative enough. Kristen Press is not a good player in your opinion. Yeah. Meg Rapino is overrated. Tobin Heath is overrated. And from this, you know, Alex Morgan, unless a ball is gifted to her, you know, won't drive past defenders. John, this is what I've been saying from the very beginning. I did not like this team. Did not so like this team at all. Who is a good attacking option in your opinion? Attacking option. Uh, Lloyd. Mallory Pugh, I think, is much more creative than Rose Lavelle. Um, I actually, I have to say this. Mewis, I thought she got better as the tournament went on. I thought she played I thought she played well in some games. Um, but I just, yeah, the Lavelle, Heath, um, Haran, and I, I'm glad... Jill Ellis didn't play Haran as much towards the end because I didn't think she had a good tournament. But I just specifically Heath and Lavelle did not do anything for me. I didn't think I just thought they didn't do much to help the team on the field. So I Yeah, I'm trying to think what else did you say that I, I disagree with the Dahl Kemper. I thought she struggled most most games, especially the final. Um, many times they got Doll Kemper. Um, she stabbed. They went right around her. She was slow when they got right around her. I thought Doll Kemper struggled big time in the final, and 
Again, Julie Ertz saved her multiple times. Um, Sauerbrunn, I thought she got better as the tournament went on. I thought she struggled in the beginning, but I thought she got better. Um, I think she's a good defender, Becky Sauerbrunn. I think she has her moments, but I think overall she's a good defender. Um, I, I disagree with Dahl Kemper, though. And Dunn, I thought she she looked good most of the tournament. What? Most of the tournament, she looked good. And, yeah. So, I yeah, I think I basically disagree with everything you said beforehand. It's okay. I think it's going to continue on to the men's team. Oh, boy. Okay. Oh, yeah. I forgot, I forgot we had that to still talk about. Yeah, Roland, do you have anything else, though? Uh, I mean, I just, I, I don't understand how you can't give Lavelle any credit other than she occasionally had a good shot. I mean, how, I don't know how many goals she had. I was trying to look it up while you guys were talking. But, like, I mean, Alex Morgan had, had six goals in the tournament, and five of them came against their first match against Thailand. Rose Lavelle, I thought, was better than Alex Morgan, uh, when it came to consistency, you know, I, I realize that she's a midfielder and to you she's playing out of position with that, but I, I thought that she put a lot of good shots on net and a lot of a lot of chances, like John was saying, um, whether it was an assist or just creating pressure for the team. So, so, so I think. The reason Lavelle, like you said, played midfield, she she had a lot more space than Alex Morgan did. But also, just think of the, the name Alex Morgan versus the name Rose Lavelle. Who were teams going to focus on? Alex Morgan. Alex Morgan, every time she got the ball, I think I was telling you this during the France game, was double teamed every single time she got the ball. And she, then she was she, getting it yeah. every time she got the ball. Lavelle was not getting attacked every time she had the ball. They know the threat that Alex Morgan poses if you give her space because she's so fast she can get right around you. So Alex Morgan had little time and space to do anything. Um, and like I said, I think she had one of the toughest, maybe the toughest job on the team because being up top um, and having the weak midfield that you had, you had to hold the ball until you had help from other players. So I just... I think how, is the, how, is, how is Julie is Julie Ertz's job not the toughest job on the field? She's deep. What do you mean? Oh well, yeah, because her defense stunk. All right. So who has the toughest job on the field? Alex Morgan or Julie Ertz? I mean, it's a toss-up between the two. <laughs> I don't know. It depended on the game, honestly. I think France, Alex Morgan had the tougher job. I just the other thing that bothers me about this is both our goals against Spain were PKs that should not have been called PKs yeah, if you watch one. both of those fouls neither of them should have been called the second one was soft but it's a part of the game if you can fool it that's okay but if you other fans from other countries could be like yeah look at those calls the refs were just giving it to them and we didn't get a single call in the box like if it's a part of the game why didn't they get one in the box. You know what I mean? Is it corrupt? Uh, Is it just FIFA corruption? No, I'm just saying. That's why I told you guys after the game, like, I, I just hate the way we won the tournament. 
Rapino scored three goals on PKs, and two of them were in the what quarterfinal round of sixteen against Spain. I just uh, you could argue that that's Spain being intimidated by a confident, competent team. Okay. So yeah, you could argue that. Uh, uh, I agree with you on the second foul where with on Rose Lavelle. That was an incredibly soft penalty. Let's go to the men's team. <laughs> okay. Rowan, did you watch the Gold Cup? I did. The only player that inspired confidence for me yesterday was Aaron Long. One of the center backs. Who is that? He's one of the center backs. What about Christian Pulisic? Christian Pulisic, that was like that was something that was fifty fifty. He had an average game. Just the way Greg Berhalter, I think, did a much better job in this Mexico game of giving Paul Ariola defensive responsibilities, which allowed Christian Pulisic the ability to go wide and inside. And allowed him a lot of freedom. But I he had a great he has great flashes, and I'm hoping that his time in the Premier League can make it, you know, really consistent. Um, but I think, you know, he's entertaining to watch. He was good, um, but kind of died off in the second half, which is just a theme of this men's national team. Yeah, I, watching Christian Pulisic this this tournament, I wasn't super impressed like it's a lot of I mean he's fast he you know sets up chances but it, I didn't really see very many actually come to anything it just seems like a lot of like like flash and no substance. no real substance yeah and that that I mean I hope that's not the case like I I didn't really uh, I'm not a Borussia Dortmund fan, so I didn't really watch him when he was with them. Um, I'm not a Chelsea fan, so I probably won't watch him uh, when he's with Chelsea unless it's up against one of the teams that I do like. Um, so, uh, but it'll be, that is a good point. Um, I don't know. It, the way... The way the U.S. played for like the second in the second half, with the exception of like the last like five or ten minutes when they were like, "Oh shit!" Like, oh, sorry. Uh, when you know the pressure was really on to try and find a goal, Mexico was only leading by one. Um, like it, it was like it. You know, it it felt like. And even then, it felt really rushed, and and it was just like they were just moving the ball around fast, um, versus actually really taking the time to set something up. Um, but the way that they played second half, um, I wasn't super impressed. Uh, before Mexico scored, you had the feeling Mexico is about to score, like it, for like five minutes. It was constant pressure by Mexico. Um, wearing out the U.S. defense. And they couldn't do, the U.S. couldn't do anything 
on offense. I think at one point they were saying that, you know, Christian Pulisic had like 20-something touches in the first half. And they had 37 like, in the first half. Like yeah. Second he half. had like, like, yeah, like, yeah. So, I mean, that, the second half of, I mean, I know you guys, you, you mentioned something about how they play in the second half last night. Um, so that's something that I feel like, I, I think that, you know, Mexico's a good team. You know, you can't discredit Mexico at all. Uh, and it certainly didn't really seem like this should have been a, a game that the U S could have easily won. Um, but last night I just, I mean, I don't think that they're certainly not world cup contenders. Uh, and to be honest, uh, round of 16 exit if they make the World Cup. So, Isn't that kind of a step up, though, from... I mean, obviously last World Cup, but I don't remember the last time they reached the knockout stage. They reached the uh, round of 16 in 2014 against, and then went out against Belgium. Yeah. Okay, I remember that. That was the Tim, the Tim Howard game. Yeah, it was the Secretary of oh. Defense. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, it's just that I, I don't see them. I don't. And, I mean, obviously it is a step up from completely missing the World Cup. But I think if they would have made the World Cup, they probably would have made it to the knockout stage anyway. Um, so I don't really see this as a huge step forward. I just think that it's a little bit. Uh, it's. It's nice that the team is younger because they have a lot of a lot of older players, um, and now it looks like it's a very youthful team. Um, I think that they have. Uh, I'm like struggling with words here at the moment. Um, you know, they have the possibility for a bright future, but I mean, they didn't play super great in the tournament. We talked about their Curacao game. Um, they should have beaten Curacao 4 nothing the way Christian Pulisic was handling the ball in the first, like, 20 minutes. I, I was like, I was like, this is going to be, like, 4 nothing, And they only beat them 1-0. One, one so, uh, the game against Jamaica was good. But, yeah. I'd... So, um, my... The thing that frustrates me, and I think John knows this, and this is with the U.S. women and the U.S. men, but I just hate the formation of a 4-3-3 so much. Um, and I think last night's game showed that for me. Um, the main reason being, um, one, I thought Michael Bradley had a rough game last night. Um, I thought his, how he's getting older showed. Um, I thought he looked slower than a lot of players, slower to the ball. He wasn't winning balls that I think he usually did win. Um, so I thought that kind of hurt us. Um, but I just, I thought we lost the midfield. And I, I think that changed the game. Mexico's midfielders took over the game. Uh, and I think that cost us the game. 
and I think that kind of goes into the formation that the U.S. was playing in. But the other thing, John mentioned this a little, I thought defensively we were very good last night Um, from an overall standpoint. I mean, that one goal, I don't think there was much you could do about that. That was just a nice, skilled play by Mexico. Um, So defensively, I thought we looked good, which was a promising sign in my opinion. But um, offensively, I mean, I I was reading an article today, and they said it best. Like the, The game came down to us not converting on our chances that we had in the first half. Uh, the fact that we didn't score goals that we should have, Pulisic, Altador should have at least each had one. Um, so, I mean, I I was actually overall encouraged by how we played as a team. Um, I didn't like the formation, and I think that's part of why we lost was because we lost the midfield. Um, I don't think so much it's the players' fault. I actually think that's on the coach's fault. I would have made an adjustment in the second half about that with our uh, formation, but um, I thought, yeah, Pulisic looked okay, not as good as he has in past games. Um, I like Paul Ariola a lot. From this tournament showed that he can play. Um, he's a good player. I like him a lot. Um, the player who I thought should never have started in the first place was Jordan Morris. I thought he was non-existent last night. Um, I would have liked to see someone else in that position, but I thought he, yeah, non-existent, didn't didn't do anything. And I think that's why he got subbed out quickly. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, but I, I'm encouraged. I think Burhalter can loot. He can learn a lot from this tournament, and I think he will. So we'll... Uh, I thought McKenny too had a nice tournament. I liked Until him a last lot. Last night, he just disappeared. Yeah, but yeah, compared to the past game, but he still had an impact. He yeah. made some. He played well defensively. I thought he ran right in the Jamaica, in the Jamaica game, which yeah. is what I think is really important for this men's team. And Xavier, I have three lessons Greg Burhalter needs to learn from this tournament. What one? Cut your guys, your guys, some Greg Berhalter's boys that aren't up to it, a.k.a. Jossie freaking Zardes. There is a guy not good on the ball. What I think he needs from his, you know, system and structure is a, is a you know, I was going to say a man, a Josie Altidore who's strong enough to hold up these players and then be able to distribute the ball to your left or right wingers, Christian Pulisic or Jordan Morris, Tyler Boyd, Tim Weah, something like that. Then change the players. So that's the first one. Second one, change the system and players to apply better pressure to the ball, especially in transition. And he goes, there's just no pressure in the second half, and it has been happening every game in this Gold Cup. And the biggest one is, I think, Greg Berhalter needs to be more, has to be a better in-game coach. Like, when Mexico's applying pressure, he needs to be able to figure out how to break that and then convey that to somebody on the field. Yeah, and, yeah, I think, yeah, I think last night, I think Berhalter got out-coached a little bit. 
I don't think it was so much the players on the players last night, but I think it was on the coach. So. All I'm saying is we watched the coach the United States should have hired. Who's that? <laughs> Tata Martino. Who yeah. The Atlanta, the Atlanta United coach last year. They won the MLS Cup. Then he went to Mexico. But it's too bad he's not related to anyone in Chicago, which is a knock on Greg Berhalter because of the favoritism since his brother is higher up in the U.S. Soccer Federation for the normies out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then he comes out and explains, like, Greg Berhalter comes out and it's just like, the game got more vertical, we needed to, you know, bring it wide and, and then we brought in Daniel like Lovitz on so our wing, like our attacking wingers can get in and get crosses on the ball and I was like that is just not the right move right like he just kind of I was okay with it right like I just think if you're just going to start sending crosses into the box it's not possession based soccer I mean it can be if it's done right but you're just like changing up the system which is what I wanted to see from the United States team a team that is not afraid to stick to its plan and to its system even if it loses um, that's the thing of a system like it's great everyone has a team system and team identity when you're winning it's about how do you lose so I have a question Xavier has an answer <laughs> what is is the world or I'm sorry the gold cup like a world cup qualifier or is it just like the a tournament that's not really affects your World Cup standings, but it can't hurt them. It, it, I don't think it has anything to do with... Like, I think this is just a tournament for CONCACAF, right? Yeah, so this is a CONCACAF tournament. Um, it's held every two years. Okay. So, um, yeah, it's held every two years for the region... So you've got, you know, your major regions. You've got um, UEFA, which is Europe, CONMEBOL, which is South America, and then, you know, South America pretty much, and you've got CONCACAF, which is North and Central America. So this was going on... their own kind of tournaments. It was going on around the world, right? All these tournaments. Okay. Cool. So something I'm excited for is that CONCACAF is starting their own Nations League, which is kind of like a meta league for the national teams. So that'll be, you know, so these international quote-unquote friendlies that happen in October are going to have some meaning behind them, which sparks a bigger debate on do you want more international soccer, do you not want more international soccer so they can, you know, rest and get back to their club teams? I'm all for it because I don't watch a lot, I don't watch any club soccer, I only watch it when, like, Team USA is playing in the Olympics or the World Cup. So I'm all for it. Because, um, I mean, I, f- I feel like like what the women did this year kind of brought everyone together and brought more national attention to the sport. Um, so I, I think it's good for the sport. Yeah. All right. Uh, we should probably wrap things up. Does anyone have a favorite sports moment of the week? The women winning the World Cup. It was good to see them lift the trophy. Yeah, that's mine too. Did you see how drunk they got after? Yeah. Yep. They were wasted. 
That was, uh, that's my sports moment of the week. <laughs> Ashlyn Harris's Instagram. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, a question that I think we should talk about in the future, though, is what, so we, we've talked about the men's, uh, what is it going to take for them to be a World Cup contender? Obviously, this, I mean, this is a big topic. We can't, we shouldn't cover it now. No. Um, plus, it's something that we should probably think think through. Um, but, you know, everybody thought that Jurgen Klinsmann was going to get it done, uh, and then that kind of, you know, didn't, didn't do anything uh, and kind of set us back after everything was said and done. Um, and... You know, we're, we're fresh off of missing the World Cup. Um, so what, and, you know, now we were uh, reigning Gold Cup champs against Jamaica, uh, and we just lost to Mexico. So uh, what is it going to take, not just for us to qualify um, for this next World Cup, but to actually be a contender? Because Mexico's not even, I wouldn't say, is one of the elite international powers. Yeah. They just have a really big rivalry with the U.S. because of CONCACAF. Um, so, like, it, did Mexico even make... I think they made knockout, yeah, because they played Germany, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, but, like, they're not a titan. So that's what I want to know. Is, and I'm sure you guys have good insight on that. Tune in next week, or the week after, at <laughs> some point. Yeah, we, I definitely wrote that down, so we'll keep that. Um, Zay, did you have a favorite moment? Nah. Alright, we're going to say it was the wor- women's winning, because we're all American here. I knew it. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> Alright, um, so we will... Uh, that had to be your favorite moment as an American. Oh, it is, it is. Um... <laughs> The world, I think we're, we're planning on being back next week. Um, if we have stuff to talk about, who knows? A lot of the big stuff has happened with Kawhi, and now it's just waiting for NBA to start, NFL to start, training camps to open up. So we'll we'll see what happens, but uh, tune in. Always MLS and baseball. I know. Roland, I don't follow Both that. Done. MLS is starting back up. Great. I don't follow that. Oh, you know what? Another one of my favorite moments was Noah Lyles running a 19.5 in the 200 at uh, a Diamond League, which is blazing. Don't get he is. I'm so excited to watch him. Yeah. Um, so uh, we'll we'll catch you guys next time. I don't. I was gonna say something else, but I oh, binge Stranger Things. Okay, it's not okay that. You shouldn't be spoiled by the internet, so just frickin' finish the series so you don't have to deal with what I went through. But it's still a good show, so go watch Stranger Things. Thanks for the listen. We'll catch you guys next week.